Welcome to the A Jesus Church podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. Hey everyone, welcome to AJC. Welcome to 2023. Man, I have to say, I am very impressed with everybody in this room. Uh, how many people were up for the like ball drop last night at midnight? Like, you guys are awesome, okay? Here you are sitting in this room. Well done. Uh, you know, you're prioritizing everything correctly. You guys are all just such awesome people. Way to, way to start off 2023 on the right foot, uh, worshiping Jesus together as a family. Uh, my name's Tim McDonald. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, uh, we are glad to have you here. And uh, if, we are going to be doing a Bible study. So if you need a Bible, you can go ahead and just raise your hand and uh, one of our ushers, somebody will get you a Bible. If you don't have one, you're welcome to keep it. Uh, but before I jump in, I want to say a special thank you to all of you who so generously gave uh, to uh, AJC, as we were wrapping up 2022, your gifts help us kind of set a trajectory for where we're going, help us plan uh, and work more intentionally as a community and trying to decide what kind of goals we want to take. So thank you for all of you that did that. And I know that January is one of those times of the year where people begin to like, you know, say, hey, I'm going to set up some new giving this year. And if you are uh, part of this family and you come here on a regular basis, we'd love to invite you to go ahead and join as a part of your worship in giving here. Uh, we have these three different ways that you can give. We'd love to have you uh, as a part of our giving community. So anyways, also one other little piece of information. You may have noticed as you were coming in, there was a table set up of uh, the ornaments, the Christmas ornaments. It's sad. The Christmas tree is down. I know. Yeah, the ornaments have been, you know, mostly put away. But there were some of the ornaments that we set aside because we knew that some of the family ornaments maybe people would want to hold on to. We will be doing the same exercise next year. So if it's like you want to reclaim your ornament and then bring it back next year to hang it back on the tree, we would love that. So it's out there. Um, I think most of them survived the taking down. But if you can't find your ornament and you're really looking for it, it may not have survived. I'm just saying it was a really tall tree. There were a few sounds of smashing that I did hear uh, as those decorations were coming down. So anyways, I also want to encourage you uh, to uh, come back next week. Next week, we are going to be doing something really fun. In two weeks from now, we will be jumping back into our Luke series. Um, we're excited to kind of continue exploring what does it look like for us to become like Jesus. But next week, we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to talk about God's heart for his people. Uh, we're going to explore what does it look like for us to be a King Jesus family. And we're going to talk specifically about some of the fun things that we feel like God is calling us as a church to step into in this next year of 2023. So I'd love to invite you to come on back and, uh, and be prepared for what we're going to do this next year. So with that being said, if I could have everyone raise back up to your feet, I want to read the scriptures over us today. Um, I, I do have to say the passage that we're looking at today is like one of my favorites. And so if you would um, just receive this scripture as I read it over you. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, we thank you for this new year. We thank you that you are a God of new beginnings. You are a God that sees things and in all the best ways, you just can't leave them alone. You grow them, you, you prune them, you nurture them, you, you make us into who you've called us to be. And Lord, even as we jump into this text today, we just, we open up our hands and we just say, Lord, have your way in our hearts. Be the God that nurtures and makes and, and renews and restores us to make us into the family that you want us to be. Thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for showing us, Jesus, what it means to be fully human, truly human. Thank you so much for leaving your spirit to be our teacher and guide. Would you be our guide this morning? We look to you, Jesus, and all this is for you. We love you, and we pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So New Year's is kind of that time of year, right? I mean, it's, it's, this doesn't happen every single year that literally the first of the year falls on a Sunday. But here we are, and it's traditionally a time when we stop and ask ourselves that big question, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And, and, and maybe kind of the follow-up question that comes around that, what kind of actions do I need in my life to become that person? And we might do something like, you know, New Year's resolutions or, you know, setting annual goals. Uh, Brittany and I, we have this kind of ritual that we do every single year where we prayerfully think through and think about like a word or a key phrase that, that we have kind of for the year. It becomes like our word for the year. It's like a North Star that helps us kind of guide decisions and, and, and really listen to God and hear what God wants from us this year. It acts as kind of a director for us. Now, we, I also want to acknowledge the fact that I sometimes feel like New Year's resolutions are really a, just a creative way for us to fill up gyms and sell weight loss programs in the month of January. Um, anybody sign up for a gym recently? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, I, I am actually looking at gym memberships right now myself. Um, but it is fascinating as we think about New Year's resolutions, what kind of things are the first things that come to our mind? So I did a little research this last week and I found this survey uh, and it's a U.S. survey for this year, the top eight resolutions for 2023. Here we go. Number eight, reduce spending. Mm, yes. Number seven, reduce stress. I feel like those two might be linked somehow. <laughs> Number six, reduce social media. Hmm, Yeah. Number five, increase time with family and friends. That's nice. Number four, increase savings. There we go. Number three, reduce weight. Yep. Number two, reduce sweets slash fast foods. Might be linked, those two. 
And number one, the number one goal for 2023, increase exercise. Those last three are definitely linked. I think 2023 has got us all thinking about getting into the gym a little bit more. What's interesting to me about this list, other than kind of the fascinating value statements that this makes about us as a culture, uh, is, the, is the kind of five to three ratio of increase versus reduce. Our overall perception uh, about change for 2023 is that we need to simplify more than we need to expand. Now, there is definitely another sermon in there, but I'm going to like put that one off. And Shelby, in about two weeks from now, is going to talk about simplicity and kind of that, how that role plays itself out in our walk with Jesus. But today, I want to jump into kind of a beautiful passage that talks about the nature of kind of these goals and the kind of people that we are called to be, the actions that God calls us to from Colossians. Now, Colossians 3 uh, is this beautiful like, list of like, ways that we kind of take things off and put things on to become the people of God. It was a, Colossians was a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He was like early church planter missionary. Uh, and, and you know, most of the New Testament was written as a re- response to him writing a letter to one of these churches that he had planted. Although the church at Colossae was a little bit different because Paul didn't actually plant the church in Colossae. He actually was kind of the rec- guy that recruited the guy that planted the church in Colossae. And as an aside, I love this about the Apostle Paul. He's this guy who basically lives courageously, goes around the world, plants churches, starts new works in some of the most dangerous of environments. But not only is he doing that, he's also raising up young leaders with him everywhere he goes. Such a beautiful example for us to think about as we walk through our life. Who, who are we raising up beside us? Paul was always actively doing that, whether the person was going to be falling behind him and planting the church that he was currently working on or whether he would be sending that person out. He, he shows us a beautiful example of developing young leaders. Anyways, Paul hears about all the great things that are happening in Colossae, that the church is growing and the gospel is getting out there and, and it's bearing fruit. But as often happens in times of growth, confusion had begun to set in around the gospel message. And so the church in Colossae, the the gospel had kind of started to morph a little bit. On the one hand, they had begun to kind of feel this pressure to follow Jewish like uh, purity laws. And on the other hand, some of the crew had begun to think that they needed like secret knowledge from out here. And Paul, basically, he just kind of jumps into the middle of it realigns the the Colossians' message around Jesus. He just says, hey guys, this is all about him. He's the king. This is his church. We follow him. All that other stuff, like just push it aside. This is all about Jesus and what he's called us to. And then in chapter three, he begins to explore these ramifications of leaving, of living a Jesus-centered, Jesus-like life. If I'm a part of a King Jesus family, then there are going to be qualities. There's going to be things about my life. We might call them like family resemblance that are going to rise up as a result of that community as the Holy Spirit moves And so he jumps in in verse 12 and says this, that God's people are set apart and dearly loved. God's people, they are set apart and they're dearly loved. He builds on this foundation 
of our calling, and he clarifies that we are holy. Now, I'm using the, the phrase set apart instead of holy because I kind of think that sometimes the word holiness gets mistranslated a little bit. We think about holiness, we often connect it to things like purity or perfection. We connect it to God, and we should, rightfully, because God is holy, holy, holy. But that idea of purity isn't exactly what holiness is really getting after. We think about uh, in the Old Testament, there were things like bread and bowls that were made holy. That is, they were set apart for God's purposes. So when Paul says that, that, that God's people are holy, what he's saying is, you've been set apart, church. You've been set apart for God's purpose. You've been made holy. And Paul says, you are dearly loved. Set apart for his purpose and dearly loved. I love that before the Holy Spirit through Paul calls us to anything, he reminds us that we are loved. Man, don't we need to hear that? Our base position, our starting place is that we are loved. We live in a world that often wants to define us on the basis of what we produce and what we create. It's out of what we make and what we do with our lives that our identity is often shaped. And then if we're good at it, we may or may not be accepted or loved. So it can look like something like this. In the world, what I create, it equals my identity. The things that I I make with my life, that's kind of who I am. It's like the first question that we almost ask anybody is like, what do you do for a living, right? And out of that, we shape an identity and often that identity is what leads to who we are part of or what I, uh, whether I'm loved or not. If I'm good at what I do, I'm accepted. If I'm not, then I'm rejected. If I own a business and I'm really successful, I might look at myself and say, like, I'm a businessman or a businesswoman. And, and if my job is successful, people around me will look at me and they'll say, like, well, I, I want to be with them because they're successful. But... If it's been like the last couple of years and my business is not doing that great, then I might look at myself and say like, I'm, I'm, I'm not that successful of a business person. And, and honestly, we might begin to feel like we're being rejected by those around us because, because we're not good enough. Or maybe I'm into working out. You know, it's kind of a theme we've seen here. I really like going to the gym, but, but in the last little while, as I stand in front of that mirror, I'm looking at the body that's in front of me, and I'm like, not happy with that body. And I begin to, to feel insecurity around that. I begin to feel as if the, the image that I'm seeing in the mirror is what actually defines me. That, that image that is not quite the image that I want it to be, it's... It's actually who I am. And I begin to believe a little lie that says I'm not valuable or maybe I'm ugly. Or maybe, maybe you're a homeschool parent in the room. Homeschool mom, homeschool dad. And, and honestly, it's like it has been a year and your kids are driving you crazy. And you're beginning to think to yourself, em, can, can I even do this? Are my kids gonna make it? Like, are they even going to graduate from high school? 
You're all laughing because there's some people in the room who are like, I, I thought that thought this last week. You know, is this, is this going to actually happen? And you begin to question, am, am I capable? Am I able? And suddenly you start to hear that lie, right? The lie in the back of your mind that you're not good enough. That you're not valuable enough. That you are rejected. But according to Paul, that's not how this is supposed to work. If you are a part of the kingdom, there is a different message. There's a different way that this works. In the kingdom of God, I am loved, period. I'm loved. That's the base position. That's the starting place. My love, it comes to me from my God. And in the kingdom of heaven, I sit in his love first. And that love, it defines who I am. And so if my business is going sideways on me because it has been just a rough couple of years, it's not my business's success that defines me, it's God's love. If I'm wrestling with my weight or I'm wrestling with my appearance and I'm looking in front of the mirror, it is not what I see that defines me. It is God's love that defines who I am. If I'm a mom or a dad and I'm, I'm just tired, my kids are driving me crazy and I'm at the end of my rope, I'm beginning to wonder, am I even good at this whole mom and dad thing? It is not how I feel about my parenting skills that defines me. It is the fact that I am loved. Or maybe, maybe I'm a pastor, right? And I look around this world around me and I'm like, Lord, shouldn't, shouldn't your church be making a bigger impact in this world, in this city that we live in? Maybe, maybe, Maybe I'm just not working hard enough. Maybe I just need to like double down. Maybe there's just something a little bit more that I need to do. It's the same message. I am loved. See that? This is what Paul starts with. He's, he wants his people, he wants the people to know that the base foundation does not come out of our experience. It does not come out of the identities that the world is trying to pour on top of us. It comes from him. And the fact that he knows us and loves us. And it shapes the deepest part of our identities and reminds me of whose I am and who I am as a result. What's beautiful about that is that means that everything that comes out, everything that I create out of this identity in him is an offering. It's worship. This is the truest form of worship. This is how everything can become a part of your worship service Monday through Sunday. When we live our lives in that identity, not defined by the world, not defined by yourself, defined by God's love. And so, we build this base. And then Paul jumps into this dialogue about, about kind of changing clothes. He uses this metaphor of like removing clothes and putting clothes on. He says, this is what it means then once we have this base to step into the things that God wants us to step into. 
And he lays out kind of first a list of things that we need to take off. And he talks about all these different things in the world that we're like, we've got to get rid of lust. We've got to get rid of lying. We've got to get rid of all this stuff. And then he talks about things that we need to put on. And it's that list that I'd like to spend a little time looking at. First, he says that you need to, you need to clothe yourself in compassion. Compassion, just this idea of living with active concern for those around us. God says, or, G, or Jesus says through the Apostle Paul, like, if you are a follower, then compassion is going to be a part of your story. You're going to see people, you're going to see their needs, and you're going to step towards them. And you're going to live a life, number two, of kindness. Kindness is going to be the outflow of this. You're, you're not going to be content with walking by on the opposite side of the road. You're going to go towards the need. You're going to meet the need. You're going to step into people's lives and brokenness. And you're going to do it in humility. You're going to come with a humble spirit, not self-effacing, not false humility, but real, genuine humility where you place the needs of others above yourself, actually choosing the seat that is not like the seat of least honor. And Paul says, then you're also, you're gonna put on things like gentleness. Man, talk about a, a value that is just gets so sidelined nowadays. Paul says like, as you become more like Christ, you are gonna become a more gentle human. You're gonna live with a tenderness that, that makes its way into all of your actions. Not reaching for the sword of anger when you are wronged, but but actually responding as God does when we wrong him with kindness. And then Paul says, you're gonna, you're gonna put on things like patience, living with God's timing and his pace in mind, not, not placing our expectations on others about the way that they should perform, not, not holding people to false standards, but actually putting our, our sense of pace and timing into God's hands. His patience should drive us to be patient with others. And we're gonna bear with each other. We're gonna bear each other's burdens and we're gonna forgive one another because this is what it looks like to be a part of this family, to lift up the burdens of other people. You see a brother or a sister in need, you go and you help them. This is what it looks like to be a part of this family when you know that there's brokenness between you and another, you go and you make it right. You ask for forgiveness. You deal with brokenness. Paul's like, this, these are the kind of clothes that we wear, the kind of things that we put on as followers of Jesus. And then last, he says, and, and, and all of those things, they're all pulled together with love. Love is like the glue that holds them all together. This love that God has for us that flows through our being and into all of those around us. And Paul, he kind of turns a little bit of a corner, but he gets, he kind of puts his finger deep into this idea of being ruled by peace. That when love occupies our heart, when we are a people of love, it means that we begin to live lives that show peace. We become people of peace in a way that the world doesn't know what to do with. They see how we respond in situations and they go, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. You should be getting angry right now. You should be impatient right now. You should be standing up for yourself right now. Instead, you take the way of peace. And Paul says, and be thankful. 
in the midst of living a life of peace, be thankful. Live lives that radiate thanksgiving to our King, to our Lord and Savior Jesus for all that he has done. And then in verse 16, he says this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He basically rattles through this list of ways that we should be interacting with each other. And Paul is saying, we need to keep telling each other the gospel story. We need to keep gospeling each other reminding each other of who Jesus is, what he has done. This what I'm doing right now up here on this stage. We need to be doing it with each other. Don't forget about Jesus, brother. Don't, this is how Jesus would live this way, my sister. I'm not sure if that's the right way to say that, but here you go. This is how it's done. We live, we work, we breathe like Jesus. And we preach the gospel and we do it with gratitude. And then last but not least, Paul kind of creates this little junk drawer and he says, in fact, actually, whatever you do, everything, all, all that other stuff, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving. Pointing to the fact that our thanksgiving points back to another who has done everything for us. These are the ramifications of being in Christ. This list is what we do when we say, we want in, Jesus. Later on in the gathering, we're gonna have a little bit of time for baptism. I'm gonna be, me and my wife are gonna be in the tank. If you have never been baptized, I wanna, I wanna invite you today. It would be an amazing day to get baptized. The first of 2023. But it's a statement when you step into the waters, it's declaring out loud, I want everybody to know I am a Jesus follower. And I live my life now in a different kind of way. It represents the kind of things that King Jesus wants of me. And that's this list. I wonder, as you look at this list right now, are there one or two or three things on there that you're like, I think in 2023, Jesus might be asking me to clothe myself with this. Now, this is a deciding factor for you because normally when I say, I would like you to write something down, nobody moves, okay? I'm just gonna call you all out, okay? <laughs> nobody moves. Here's what I would like you to do. Write down... One or two or three of these things that you think God might be calling you into. Now, by write down, I mean open up your phone. Weston's reminding me that most people don't use pens and paper anymore. I understand. Go to your notes app. I'm just giving you a moment. Yes, thank you, Steve. He holds up a note in the back. Thank you. Go to your notes app. Whatever it is that you have. And, and think about this list. Prayerfully think about this list for a moment. Is there one or two or three things on this list that Jesus is putting his finger on, tapping you on the shoulder right now saying, this, this year, 2023, I, I want to call you into learning how to forgive better. In 2023, I want to I teach you, I want to expand your ability to gospel, to speak the truth to those around you, or to be thankful. Just take a moment. 
Write it down. Now, before we wrap up, there is one thing that I do want to draw attention to, that there is a repeated theme on there. Does anybody catch the word that maybe pops up a couple more times than others? Say it, say it loud, say it loud. Thankful, right? Isn't it fascinating? Paul builds towards this kind of crescendo at the end. And literally the last three big things he says all have to do with thankfulness and gratitude. I think there's there's a deep power in thankfulness and Paul knows it. He, He wants to draw our attention to this idea because in many ways, thankfulness is a way of driving a stake into the ground. It changes who we are. It's, it's more than just an addendum. It's more than just you know, good manners or being polite. In fact, when Paul talks about it, it's almost more like a weapon. It's not passive. Neuroscientists even tell us like thankfulness literally has the power to change our brain chemistry. Choosing thankfulness, stepping into thankfulness, it can rewrite how our brain works. It can affect depression. It can affect our, our relationships with like our spouse or our, our good friends. It can, cha- it can even change our physical health. Thankfulness is deeply powerful and Paul knows it and he calls it to us in this crescendo. The tragedy is that the opposite can also be true, right? We've experienced this. Our thankless want for more I mean, it can cause all of the issues. It can drive us into more pain. It can drive us into more in, uh, like insecurity in ourself. Thankfulness, though, paves a way for contentment. It helps us step into the things that God wants us to be and it reinforces the things that he has called us to. And when we are struggling and when we're in those dark places, Being thankful restores us back to the path. It accesses God's power. So, what are you thankful for? Take a minute. Write down one to three things that you are thankful for in 2022. Looking back, what do you see in this last year that, man, you are so thankful for. And if it's a person, I want to encourage you, make sure you let them know. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18 says this. Paul also wrote this to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Man, how often are we struggling to know what is God's will? Paul's like, be thankful. You're struggling to figure out, Lord, I don't know how to get from where I am to where I need to be. Paul's like, be thankful. That will help you know God's will. You know, as I, as I look back on this last year, are three things that like just kind of bump up to the top of my list of things that I'm thankful for. 
One of them is personal. One of them has to do with the church. And then one of them has to do with my spiritual life. The first one that I'm deeply thankful for is my family. And, oh man, I think I can do this. You know, I don't get a chance to say this often enough, especially with my own parents. and My mom and dad just happen to be here in the front row. But this group of people right here are some of the most precious people to me. I'm so thankful for every one of them. My family is incredible because I have the kind of family that makes a decision to challenge me when I need to be challenged. To stand for Jesus when I need Jesus to be stood for. And I'm so deeply thankful for each and every person in this front row because they've done that for me over the course of this last year and over the course of my life. I'm thankful for my family. I would not be who I am if it wasn't for this group of people. At the church, I'm really, really, you know, as I've asked around, one of the, <laughs> one of the things that keeps rising up to the surface is how great our kids' ministry is. And I just want to say, after what has been a crazy last year, how thankful I am for Anna and her entire team. Anna, would you mind coming up? I've actually asked Anna to come on up and, and to share some of what she's been thankful for this last year. Um, so, Anna, why don't you? Absolutely. I've just brought some friends with me. By the way, it's pajama day down in kids today, so yes. hence the pajamas. <laughs> I think every first of the year should be pajama day. So yeah. you didn't get the memo, but there we go. Um, I'm so thankful for the kids' ministry. I joined in June. And honestly, the word family that you use is the word that I would use to describe um, how thankful I am for the family that has been created down there. From the tiniest member of our family to the eldest volunteer that we have, like the kids uh, feel like, you know, they run in, not always happy, but mostly happy and just excited to be in their rooms and with their friends. Uh, they have the same teachers and they're getting to know and it's really becoming um, mm. family. Um, the volunteers are coming family. We've got middle school uh, leaders, you know, helping with them and then older folks as well. And it's been incredible. Um, and part of it is getting to know some of the families that have come through the doors and getting to know their stories and, and who they are and being able to walk alongside. Um, some of those um, stories, hence why I brought my friends up. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Jessica Anderson. This is my husband. Chris Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have kids down here? We do. We have two children, Haley and Everett. Haley's seven. Everett will be five quite soon. So, yeah, we have um, really, I think it's quite easy to say we've become a part of this family this year. Um, sorry. <laughs> this year's been a really intense one for us. Um, we started out 2022 wanting to reconnect to our faith much um, just because of our kids at the ages they were at, sort of post-COVID, wanting to get back into church. Um, and not long after we started coming back here and really um, embracing the kids program, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Um, quite a scary and intense time for those of you that experienced that personally yourselves or with other loved ones. Um, and we were completely embraced by this church, completely embraced by all of you, our friends, our coworkers, 
Um, and, you know, Tim, your message about gratitude today really, it, you couldn't have teed it up more perfectly because despite everything that we had been through, we started this daily gratitude practice with our kids. Um, we wanted to make talking about God and Jesus a regular part of our household dynamic. And so we would pray at night, but we would go around and each say one thing we were thankful for every day, even in the midst of some of Chris's worst days. And even on those toughest days, there was always something to be thankful for. Mm. Um, and that was really an interesting center point for us to continue to proceed through this crazy unknown journey that we were embarking upon. Um, you know, and thank God, Chris as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's healed. <laughs> um, but we couldn't have done it without being surrounded by love, being surrounded by God's grace and, and community like you all. And it's real and it was tangible and it was so profound, it's hard to talk about <laughs> without getting emotional. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you um, for, for being on this journey with us, even if you didn't realize it. Thank you to both of you personally for everything that you've given to our family and for embracing our kids because getting to raise them you know, in the community of Christ, getting to teach them about God and have them talk about God and mm -hmm. sing about God, that is honestly what we as parents, that is sort of the epitome of what it means to be a Jesus follower mm -hmm. and getting to see that in real time with them on a Monday through Sunday basis, as you said, is, is really powerful. So thank you. I took all the airtime. <laughs> Would you like to say anything? <laughs> I, I think just quickly, it's, and I think majority of the people in here are parents, and we've had this battle of like, there's a plate of green beans on the table, and you want your child to eat them, they don't want to eat them, you just, you're in a standoff. What we realized as parents and as we've grown as parents is that it is our job to place the food on the table, it is their job to choose, decide what to eat. We provide the healthy options, and that was the same thing for us with, with church. We are bringing them to church to provide the option to live um, like God, with God. And you see it um, with the conversations. Is we came out of COVID. So we called COVID the bad cold when it first came out because our children were little. And then I got sick. And so we had to explain, we had to explain cancer and, and what it meant. And they, they asked a lot of questions. They talked about God a lot. And so it really tested us in the, the way that we communicate to each other. And we didn't lie about it. Um, with them, we were very honest because they, they, they could see it. I mean, our youngest drew, drew some pictures. And at the time, I had a feeding tube. And the pictures that he drew had the tube coming out of my stomach. So um, you, know, you can't hide it from them. And now that um, it's a pull model for us with them, they want to come to church. They want to listen to church music in the car. Um, they sing it. Um, so we absolutely love it. So. Um, with gratitude, um, thank you um, from me and from my family um, as we've gone through this last year. And I don't, uh, everyone has stuff going on in their life, but for us last night as it, as it struck into 2023, it was a, a huge relief as we head into the new year because I have so many questions about what I've gone through and my experience um, that I'll begin to explore in 2023. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much, thank guys. You. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Family is wonderful and it's not always easy and we go through these journeys, but we do it together, like you said. So I'm just so yeah. thankful for both of you and for us being able to walk alongside you in this journey.
Yeah. Before you sneak away, something you're excited for for 2023. Absolutely. Um, for the kids' ministry, um, prayer. Honestly, we've started doing ki- uh, Seek Night for K through fifth kids. And that just seeing the kids growing in their prayer lives has been incredible and exciting and wonderful. And we're bringing that into our pre-K as well on Sundays yeah. um, and just continuing to develop prayer. That's cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. You know, one of the things I love about, and part of the, even the reason of, of sharing story is that it's, it's infectious, right? You realize, man, I have so much to be thankful for, you know, and, and we so easily, so quickly sidestep those things, and those reminders are so good for us. The third thing that I uh, want to share that I am thankful for is Jesus. And I know it seems kind of cliche uh, for the pastor to say he's thankful for Jesus, but I think... I felt like leading into this next year, I wanted to start our year off a little differently. If you wouldn't stand up to your feet, grab your communion cup. We talk about this pretty often, I mean, every, every week basically, about communion and the nature of like remembering Jesus, remembering what he's done. But the the problem is with something that you do regularly, it just gets too easy to just hop through it quickly. And I want to take a moment to do a bit of an an exercise. Go ahead and um, maybe just remove the the cracker up from the top. Just close your eyes and kind of hold it in your other hand. Take a moment to reflect on the person of Jesus. There's something maybe in your heart that's competing for, for space or competing for airtime. I just want to invite you just to lay it down right now. Maybe it could be something like a sin or it could be something that's a distraction, but just lay it down. Hold the cracker in your hand and lay down anything that's competing for attention and think about Jesus. The bread represents the body of Christ. A body that was beaten and broken that we might be healed. If your mind will allow you to go there, I'd encourage you to think about that for a moment. The broken and beaten body of Christ He was wounded for us, for our transgressions. The punishment that was supposed to fall on us fell on him. This little piece of bread represents the broken body of Jesus as it was pinned to a cross that he would bring healing to us through his body. Let's just take a moment and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Let's take the, take the bread together.
Jesus tells us that the blood that was, that the cup represents his blood which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist would cry out over Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And when John the Baptist said, Lamb of God, every person standing there would have known, they would have had the image in their mind immediately because they would have seen it. A lamb with its throat slit, pouring out its lifeblood on behalf of humanity. Jesus went to the cross and we were told that he was pierced for us, that a spear literally went up into his heart and he bled water and blood for us. And that blood is the most precious substance known to man because it purchased a way for us to know our God rightly again. Let's just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for going to the cross and pouring that blood out for us. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that comes as a result of your blood and your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's take the cup together. Lord, we, we acknowledge that you are supreme. That this, this is your church, that we are your family. We are your King Jesus family. And on this first day of 2023, we declare back to you, have your way, Prince of Peace. Rule over us in peace. We give you the right to lead, to guide. We, we hand over to you the reins of our life and say, we want 2023 to be a year that points to you. Lord, the old, the old sins, the old brokenness, the things that we have carried around like chains and balls onto our ankle, Lord, we, we lay those things down, we break them off in your name. And we say, this year, we move forward with you. The anxieties that weigh on our heart, the, the things that, the, the weights that we're carrying on our shoulders, Lord Jesus, this year, we give them to you. And church, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless you to receive his forgiveness, to receive his healing, to receive his weight carrying. In the name of Jesus, church, I bless you to walk into 2023 with courage and life and hope and joy. Church, I bless you to become the people of God that he has always called us and intended us to be. Would 2023 be a year 
that the church of God in the city of Portland would push back against the darkness? Would 2023 be a year in your name, Jesus, where the enemy would flee, where healing would abound, where restoration would come, where you, Lord Jesus, would make all things new. Lord Jesus, would 2023 be your year? We love you. And this is all for you. And we pray this in your most precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at ajesuschurch.org.